Wow, I had an amazing start to my 2024 reading journey. I read in multiple genres, marked some books off a few lists, and had five five-star books. And a few of those are already on my best of 2024 book list. Come find out all the books I read in January. Hey, story lovers, it's time to unwind, relax, and get comfy cozy. You're listening to the Bookmarks and Blankets podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Matsudaira. Each week, I discuss my favorite forms of art, which are books, movies, and TV series. I also love talking about cozy living, cozy hobbies, and self-care tips. If you like reviews, recommendations, discussions, and a whole lot more, then you're in the right place. Join me with your favorite blanket, beverage, and snack, and let's get cozy together. Welcome or welcome back, my book friends. I hope everybody is doing well. We are already through our first month of the new year. I just can't believe how fast time is going. I hope you've been well. I hope you've been staying warm if you live somewhere cold and experience that Arctic cold front we had just a couple weeks ago. It was frigid here in central Ohio. Gone down to the singles during the day and the negatives at night. But then it warmed up and now we're currently experiencing a very mild winter with temperatures around the high 40s to mid 50s. And it honestly feels more like spring than winter. We're even dealing with some ant problems already in our house, which usually doesn't happen until late spring or early summer. I think the insects are even confused by this crazy weather right now. But anyway, now that I've got you caught up on our weather updates, let's talk about all of the books that I read this month. I had an incredible, amazing, extraordinary, all the adjectives you want to use, reading journey to the start of this year. I read a total of 18 books, which include seven ARCs or advanced reader copies from NetGalley. So there is going to be a part two episode that will be coming soon after this one. So stay tuned and I will discuss all of those books because some of the arcs that I read were part of my five star reads and it includes my favorite book of the month. For the rest, I'm going to discuss those in this episode. I was actually surprised by how many books I was able to get in in January. If you don't know, or if you haven't heard from any of my past episodes, my husband and I are moving this year in April in just a matter of a few months. So we are in the middle of packing up our house. Every single room looks like a tornado hit. We have boxes everywhere. It's a mess, but it's happening. And I'm so excited to finally get back to Colorado, which really feels more like home to me than my home state of Ohio. But I will admit that my husband has been doing most of the work so far. I'll be honest, I haven't even begun packing my things up yet. I packed one box of books. So yeah, I have a lot to do these next two months. So we'll see how all of this extra work will affect my reading schedule. So it was pretty normal for me in the month of January. So that's why I was able to get so many books in. But now since we're down to the final two months or so before we have to be out of the house, things may be affected and I might not be able to get in as much as possible or I'm just probably going to do a lot of audiobooks. But for January, I got a lot in and I have some stats. So I thought it would be fun to offer my stats when I give my reading wrap ups. So again, I read a total of 18 books. Seven of them were my arcs. 
I was finally able to get back to NetGalley. I did not read any ARCs in December. I really just wanted to take a break and focus on the holiday books. But now I have a backlog of so many books that I promised I would read and write reviews for. So I really am in the catch-up mode right now. So I have a lot that I read last month. I have more that I'm going to read this month and probably more in March. I have a wide variety of genres. There are five mystery thrillers, two historical, two fantasy, which include romance fantasy or romanticy, one contemporary fiction, one science fiction, three middle grade, one short story, and three children's picture books. I did not have any graphic novels in January. This has been the first month since last June that I did not read any graphic novels. I just honestly wasn't in the mood to read any graphic novels. And there hasn't been any graphic novels that have piqued my interest a lot lately where I'm dying to read them. So I took a break. I may take a break in February as well. I'm still not really feeling called to read anything right now, but we'll just see how the month goes. I only read digitally or listened to audiobooks. So I have nine audiobooks that I listened to, and then I had nine digital or ebooks. I did not have any physical books in January. My eyes had really been hurting me. I was reading a lot of physical books the last couple months of 2023. I was reading a lot, and I was reading pretty fast. And for some reason, just my eyes were starting to hurt, which was making my head hurt. So I really wanted to take a break and I'm glad that I did because as much as I love physical books, I mean, that's my preferred choice of book. I just had to take a break because I found out that reading off of a screen was actually easier on my eyes and didn't make my head hurt as much. So I'm going to have to play around with how much I read physically versus how much I read digitally just for my poor eyes. My readings were all over the scale from DNFing or did not finish some books to all the way up to my five stars. So I did have two DNFs. One was a hard stop. I did not read it. The other one is a soft where I do want to come back to it at some point. I had one two star, two three stars, seven four stars, three four and a half stars, and five five-star books, which is amazing. I don't think I've ever had that many five-star books in a month. And then I was also able to mark some books off of some lists. So I finally read my very first sci-fi book. That was something in my reading goals that I wanted to do this year. I read another contemporary novel, which is, again, something I had on my 2024 reading plans because I barely read any contemporary books last year, I think maybe one or two. And then I finally read from four popular authors that I had been wanting to try. I finally was able to get to their books. I read two books from my 24 in 2024 list. And then one of my favorite booktuber, she's a Christian reader. She has a reading challenge called Read Christian Romance. It's a book a month for the whole year, and there's prompts that you fulfill. So I will include her video announcement if you're interested in joining this reading challenge. 
I'll link that in the description box as well as put it on the companion blog on my website. But I was able to get a book in for this reading challenge this month to fulfill this month's prompt. All right, so there are all the stats. So let's hop into the logistics very quickly. So how this episode will work is I'll let you know the book that I read. I'll read a short summary of the story and then give you a very brief review of what I thought about the book. If you want to read the full length review, you can head over to my website or you can read it on Goodreads because I am posting those over on that website now. And speaking of my website, as I do with every podcast episode, there is a companion blog. If you go to my website, which is bookmarks, the letter N blankets.com, you can find that there. If you miss anything in this episode, you want to learn more, read the full review, you can head over there and get more information. Also, speaking of Goodreads, if you want to know what I'm reading in real time, you can follow me over there. And again, read all full reviews. And I am starting to do backlog full reviews. I did not post reviews for every single book that I read last year. So I am working on getting those posted up in Goodreads as well this year. And finally, I'd love to know what you thought about any of these books if you've read them. Or you can just let me know what you read in January. What was your favorite book? What are you reading this month? What are you looking forward to reading? Any new releases? I'm always looking to add to my never-ending TBR list. So I invite you over to social media where you can find me on Instagram and X, aka Twitter. You can leave a comment on the wrap-up post that I make every month. And with that, I think we are done. Without further ado, let's dive in. All right, so for these episodes, I was putting my books in order from my least favorite to my most favorite, but since there's so many genres that I listened to or read last month, it's really hard to list them out. So instead, I'm just going to split them out by the genre. So then in those categories, if there's more than one book, I can let you know which one was my favorite. And then at the end, I'll let you know my favorite book of the month from everything that I read. Now, that book is one of the arcs that I read, but it is out right now. So I'll go ahead and let you know what that is, a spoiler for, I guess, part two. All right, so let's start with the worst books of the month. So I had two DNFs, or I did not finish these books. The first one was A Fragile Enchantment by Alison Saft. This was an arc that I had for NetGalley. It is a romance fantasy or a romanticy. And I'm not going to go into what it's about, but honestly, it was not for me. At the time when I had requested this book, I did not do enough research on it. So that is my fault. I did not realize that this was a queer LGBT plus focus book. And that is just not the type of book I would like to read. So due to the content, I was looking more into it after the fact because as I was reading it, I read about the first three chapters and then I started to notice pronoun differences that did not make sense. I had a feeling that we had some queer characters. Then I found out like every single character is queer. And I also found out that there's some very explicit sex scenes. If you have heard anything about my reading tastes in the past, I prefer closed door romances. Not that I won't ever read any open door, but I prefer very minimal spice to none. And I also prefer not to read any queer focus books. That is just my personal preference. So I went ahead and DNF'd it and said that that was not content for me. So I passed on that one. The next book was a soft DNF. 
And that means I will come back to it at some point. So I tried to listen to Green Glass House by Kate Milford. This is a middle grade fantasy book. I had heard so many good things. I actually had this on my winter TBR list. If you listen to that episode, I was really excited to read this because I saw a lot of book reviewers who like to read middle grade books say that this is one of their absolute favorites and they were giving it four and five stars. But unfortunately, I had a really hard time getting into the story. It may have been the medium that I was using. So I was listening to the audiobook and I did not like the narrator. He sounded almost like a news anchor or a car salesman. And I just didn't like the delivery of how he was reading the story. And then the story itself was pretty dull and boring. I think I got through the first 25% before I decided to stop. I just really had a hard time getting into it. So I think maybe I will give it another chance, but instead I'll get either the physical book or just read the ebook and see if reading it compared to listening to it will make my enjoyment for it better. So that one I have not given up on yet and I do wanna come back at some point. I don't know if it will be this year. I don't have any plans to get back to it anytime soon, but I do wanna give it another chance at some point. Okay, let's move on to the books that I did like because there are a ton that I loved this month. So as we're talking about middle grade, let's talk about the first two middle grade books that I read. So the first one was Dead Voices by Katherine Arden. I did listen to the audiobook. I have the physical book, but I decided that the audiobook would be easier to listen to than to have to make time to read a book. And like I said, I was really trying to take a break from reading physical books. And this was narrated by Renee Dorian. I can't remember if she's the same from book one because I did listen to book one and it may be the same narrator. I want to say that it is. And this is a middle grade fantasy and this is a sequel. So this is part of the Small Spaces Quartet. I read Small Spaces back in October and I really enjoyed it. I gave it four stars and it had the very creepy autumn vibes that I was looking for. Perfect for Halloween. This one I was really excited to read because this is set during winter time. In January, one of my themes was trying to pick up books that was set in the winter and would give me those winter vibes. So this was the perfect book for that. And I did give this four stars on Goodreads. In the first book, we are following a trio of friends, Ollie, Coco, and Brian. So in this story, we are picking back up a few months after book one, and Ollie's dad has just won tickets to a ski resort. So she's bringing along Coco and her mother and their friend Brian, and they're all going to go spend what they think is going to be a relaxing winter break at this ski resort and go skiing with each other and just have a lot of fun. So once they get there, a snowstorm hits and then all the power goes out. So they're forced to stay in the main lobby area and they have to build a fire and they're drinking hot chocolate and there's board games. But then the children notice that there are some weird things going on. So from being snowed in, they start exploring the hotel and they start hearing things and they start noticing odd things happening. And Coco is convinced that she sees a ghost. And then Ollie starts having nightmares about these frostbitten girls that are asking for help. 
And then suddenly there's a mysterious guy who shows up at the resort and says he's a ghost hunter and that he's here to investigate the hauntings of this lodge. So the children want to trust him and they want to help him. They're not sure what's going on and who this stranger is, but they're trying to find out what are these dead voices and do these ghosts need any help? So I really enjoyed this sequel, possibly more than the first book, because it involves the paranormal, specifically ghosts, which are my favorite type of supernatural story. I thought it was a very creative concept. I would say it felt like The Shining meets Alice in Wonderland. So if that sounds good to you, then you may really enjoy this book. It was very creepy and eerie, which I loved. And it was perfect for wintertime, especially since they're snowed in, which is another horror thriller element that I really enjoy reading about. I also enjoyed being back with the friend trio. Ollie was the leader of this group in the first book, and she had recently lost her mother in a plane crash. So it's just her and her dad now. She's the strong, resilient type. She's the fierce leader. And then we have Coco. She's the little runt of the group. She's very small and petite. They make fun of her size. She's been on the meek and timid side and she lives with her mom. It's just her and her mom. And she's a bit underestimated by her friends. And then we have Brian. He's the boy of the group. His parents are from Jamaica, but he's viewed as the cool kid. He's very popular at school. And so they all became friends in book one when they went through that adventure. So now they are back in this story and the smiling man does return. So there are some things from book one that pop back up in this one. So I wouldn't suggest reading this book out of order. I guess you could read these books as standalones, but you may feel a little lost or feel like you're missing some elements. So I would highly recommend reading the first one before reading this one. Unlike how the first book centered around Ollie as she's dealing with the grief of her mother, this book focuses more on Coco as she begins to come out of her shell more and show everyone that she's more than just this nerdy, timid little girl. I really enjoyed watching her develop more and embrace the strength that she finds within herself. I had a lot more fun following her than I did Ollie's story in small spaces. And ultimately, she must save everyone. I thought the pacing was perfect. It's a short audiobook at around five hours or so, so it's really quick to get through. Again, I thought it was a bit creepier and more haunting, which I really loved. It kept my attention more, and I just really loved the aspect of Winter and how it played a role in the story. So if you're a fan of the first book, then I highly recommend the second one. Okay, and then the second middle grade book that was my favorite between the two that I read was Snow and Rose by Emily Winfield Martin. And this was a cozy middle grade fantasy that for me was a 4.5, but I did round down to give it four stars on Goodreads. There were a few things that had a little bit of problems that prevented me from pushing it to five stars, but it was very, very close. So this is a retelling of Snow White and Red Rose. Now, I will say I have not read the original classic fairy tale. So for me, the retelling was kind of lost on me. I couldn't compare it to anything, but I really, really enjoyed this. So this is about two sisters and they used to live in this big giant house and they had spectacular gardens and it was a huge garden that was kind of separated into two so that each sister could have their own garden with their own flowers that they really enjoyed. 
and they had an army of servants, and they were living the aristocratic life, so to speak. But then their father went out into the woods, and he never came back. So the mother, with her two daughters, was forced to leave the house. So they had to move into this little tiny cottage in the middle of the woods. From there, we go on to this very enchanting story. So I absolutely loved this story. It was so beautiful. It was very charming and sweet. So one of the biggest things that popped out to me was the illustrations. So there is some very, very beautiful artwork included with this book. I got the ebook off of my library app, and I highly recommend getting either a digital copy or the physical book compared to just listening to an audio. Or if you want to do a tandem, at least get the physical or the digital to look at while you're listening to this, because I really feel like the artwork helps to tell the story, and it is just absolutely beautiful. It uses watercolors, which is some of my favorite type of artwork. So I really love that aspect of it. But this was a very cozy, quiet, slower paced book that was perfect for wintertime. The majority of the story takes place during the winter. So if you are wanting to slow down a bit and just take a breath and calm down from the craziness of the holidays and the first of the year, this is the perfect book to read. It's also very short and you could get through it very quickly. But I loved that this felt like a classic fairy tale when I read it. It's very enchanting. It's very whimsical. I love the sister dynamic between Snow and Rose. They complement each other very well. And they work together to solve a mystery. There's a magical enchanted forest. They meet a new friend who knows a lot about mushrooms. I just really felt that the story was highly creative. I love the messaging. It was a bit predictable. I did figure out the mystery before the book ended, and that was partly why I had to lower my ratings, but I still really, really enjoyed it. There's also a very unique library. I don't want to spoil anything, but it's not like a normal library. So if you pick this book up, then you know what I'm talking about. But I really love that aspect that there is this unique library in the middle of the woods, and we meet a lot of fun characters and enchanting creatures. So I highly recommend this one. Okay, so let's move on to the one sci-fi that I read, which was my very first sci-fi book. And that was All Systems Read, which is the first book in the Murderbot Diaries series by Martha Wells. I did listen to this on audiobook, and it was narrated by Kevin R. Free. I thought he did a great job. I really enjoyed listening to him. And this is a novella. So this is a very short audiobook. I think it was around three hours. So it's very easy to get in in just a day. I took a couple days to read it, but you could easily read this in one day. And this was also up for a Goodreads nominee for Best Science Fiction back in 2017. Unfortunately, this wasn't exactly what I thought it would be. I gave this three stars on Goodreads, which is by no means a bad rating at all. But this wasn't quite what I thought it was going to be. So in this story, we follow a SEC unit who names itself Murderbot. And it accompanies humans who go on these explorations. And he's basically trying to keep them alive. So Murderbot has happened to hack its own governor module. So he's gone rogue. He's become a bit of a free thinker now. 
And all he wants to do is binge watch TV shows and watch entertainment because he hacked into that entertainment block and now he just downloaded all these TV series. So he just wants to be a lazy robot, basically. He still tries to complete his missions, but it's in a very sassy, ambivalent, cynical kind of way. So we follow this team of scientists on a distant planet, and they're conducting surface tests. So they're shadowed by Murderbot. But then a neighboring mission goes dark, and so it's up to the scientists and Murderbot to get to the truth of what's really going on. So the biggest strength for me that I really enjoyed about this book was Murderbot itself and its personality. It is so funny. I thought it was so clever to have this cynical, sarcastic, pessimistic, witty, almost at times self-deprecating robot that is easily irritated by its humans and it has a dry sense of humor. It's so funny. At least on the surface, we see that that's how he is. And I keep saying he, but it's an it. There is no gender to this robot. But to me, because it was read by a male, it just sounded like it was a guy. But as we dive deeper with Murderbot, we see that it does get attached to its humans because it's trying to keep everybody safe. And there is a hint that there's something darker and nefarious in its past. So I wanted to learn more about that, but we don't really dive too much into its past. But it did really end up charming me, and it definitely keeps the reader attached to this robot. So you're experiencing what it's experiencing, and it was incredibly relatable and really fun to follow along. So that, for me, was the best part of the book. Now, after that point, this is where it lost me. So I felt like it was a bit too sciencey for me. It was a bit too technical, and I started getting confused. So it was hard for me to follow along. And I don't know if it's because I was listening to the audiobook. Maybe it would have been easier if I was reading it. But just listening to it, I was really starting to get lost and letting it play in the background and not paying as much attention, I will be honest. It is a bit slow. Nothing really happens until about the last quarter or the end of the book. So I found myself being very bored. So the plot in this book, and I found out in the other books in the series, because this is a nine book series right now, I believe. I think they might be making a TV show out of this. I saw somebody talk about that. I'm not quite sure. Don't quote me on that. But the plot isn't as important to the story. It's more of a character driven with Murderbot itself. So therefore, because the plot wasn't built out as well, I found myself very, very bored and I just didn't care. And then the side characters, they have no depth to them. They're very one-dimensional. There was quite a few of them, and I had a hard time keeping track of them. And I just didn't care about any of them. I didn't care what happened to them. And because this is a novella and it's very short, the world building is very, very underdeveloped. And it was very lacking. I feel like this could be a really interesting world if we had more to work with. But unfortunately, because it's condensed in such a short, book that it really missed an opportunity for us to fall in love with this world. So I didn't really get to learn at all about what this world's about. But I will say that I enjoyed the ending. It intrigued me enough that I would like to pick up book two to see if I want to continue in this series. At this point, I'm very hesitant if I want to continue in this series. But thank goodness, these are very, very short books. 
I may want to, depending on how the second book is. But if I'm still bored to tears and nothing's really happening, then I may just stop at two of the books and not continue in the series. But I'm not going to follow the series just because of the personality of a robot that I really like. So that's just me. And this is me from somebody who does not read science fiction whatsoever. So you can take this review with a grain of salt because I am not seasoned at all in this genre. This is a brand new genre for me. It's something I wanted to explore. And I would like to read more science fiction, but I'm just not a sciencey type of person. When things get very technical and there's a lot of space talk and distant planets and things like that, like I'm just not really into those types of stories. I am not that big a fan of Star Wars. I don't really care for science fiction movies. I am more of a fantasy girl. I would rather watch Lord of the Rings than Star Wars. So that's just my personal preference. So it was okay. I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. I expected a lot more from it because this has a lot of hype around it. So many people talk about this. It is a very beloved series, and I just really wish that I liked it more than I did, but maybe I will after I read the second book. Okay, so now let's move on to my contemporary fiction, and that was The Collected Regrets of Clover by Mickey Brammer. And I did listen to this audiobook, and it was narrated by Jennifer Pickens. I really, really enjoyed her. Highly recommend her as a narrator. I thought she did a fabulous job. This is also a Goodreads Choice nominee for Best Fiction and Best Debut Novel just last year in 2023. And I gave this a 4.5 star, but on Goodreads, I did round down to four stars. I couldn't quite give it five stars. There were a few things that made me knock it down, but I did absolutely love this beautiful story. So I had heard about this story from one of the booktubers that I follow who read more contemporary and nonfiction, which is very different from many of the other booktubers that I follow. And since I'm trying to read more contemporary stories this year, I wanted to give this book a shot because not only did she have high praises and it was one of her top three books of 2023, I've also seen a lot of other people give a lot of praise for this book and it had very, very high ratings. So I was very curious to see what this was about. And this follows Clover. She has a very interesting profession. She is a death doula. And I had never, ever heard of a death doula. But basically, just like a regular pregnancy doula where the person is there to help the mother deliver her baby. Clover is there to help dying people pass on peacefully and go through their end of life process. So this is set in New York City and she had a very traumatizing childhood. Her parents were not really there for her. They did a lot of traveling and while they were abroad, they actually ended up dying. So she grew up with her grandfather raising her. He becomes a very beloved figure in her life and he does the best that he can, but then he unexpectedly dies while Clover is studying abroad. So she was not there in his final moments. And that is one of her biggest regrets and one of the main reasons why she became a death doula because she just wanted to be there for people that would otherwise have nobody by their side as they pass on from this life. So she gives a lot of care and comfort to her patients and her clients, and she really wants to make sure that they are at peace when they pass over. 
So it's a beautiful story about death. It is a pretty heavy emotional story. I did tear up a little bit, but I could see how some people could find this a rather difficult read. I could see people sobbing in this. It didn't make me sob, but I thought it was a beautiful look at loss, grief, and death. I also learned so much about this profession. This is actually a real-life profession. I had no idea, and I guess it's kind of become more popular in the big cities in the recent years. It also introduced a really interesting concept called death cafes. It's basically a group of people who talk about death. That's a real thing as well. This is all in New York City. I don't know if this is a profession and these cafes exist elsewhere in the United States or around the world. But here in the United States and in our culture, death is a taboo topic. Nobody likes to talk about it. So this book directly looks at death and it brings about a more meaningful insight to this taboo subject that not many people want to think about, let alone discuss. I think this book would make for a very interesting conversation at a book club. It is highly thought-provoking. And I do feel that it has some very positive messages surrounding death and that we don't need to be afraid of it. There's so much beauty that we can find in death and transitioning from this realm to another. So we do follow Clover. This is a very character-driven story. It's not so much plot, but character. And we find out that Clover is a very innocent, naive woman for someone who's in her mid-30s because she was sheltered for most of her life. We can see that she has so much growing up to do, and even she knows it. We can see that she's emotionally stunted in many ways, but I really liked getting to know her. She was an easy character to love, and she keeps notebooks of the regrets from the dying people in the story. So she begins to look back at what people previously spoke about of what they regretted on their deathbed. She uses their advice to improve her own life and she takes their wisdom so that she can live by it so that she won't have many or any regrets when she comes to the end of her life. So we see herself opening up to friendships and even take a romantic interest in this guy she meets. So there is a romance as a subplot, and it's adorable. It's so satisfying. I loved the ending for her. I enjoyed the romance aspect in that it didn't just look at death the whole time. But I feel like you can learn a lot from this book and just the way Clover approaches death. She's so kind and caring, and she cares so much about her patients, and she really gets attached to this one woman. There's so many great tips and advice that you could get from this book of what to say, how to act, how to even interact with the family of the person that's dying. I felt like there was so many wonderful life lessons that you could get from this book. And I really want to buy a physical copy and reread it and annotate it because there are so many great quotes and passages. I will say from my conservative background, that it leans towards some progressive thinking. And there are some messages that I didn't agree with. There is a side character that is bisexual, and she becomes involved in this poly relationship with this man and woman. And that was a little bit of a turnoff for me. I didn't really like that. But overall, I really love the story. And at the end of the audiobook, if you listen to the audiobook, which I highly, highly recommend, there is about a 30-minute conversation with the narrator and the author. 
It was very insightful to learn more about how the story came about and why she wrote it. Basically, for the author, she felt uncomfortable with death and she feared losing loved ones. So she wanted to take a look at that. And like I said, you learn more about death doulas and this is a real career. She was learning about this and she saw that they don't get paid a lot. So the author wanted to bring attention to this profession to create a support system for them and that we need to take better care of these types of people who help the sick and the dying. And then she goes on to talk about the death cafes in New York that she went to and she did experience those groups and she talked to people. It was just really interesting. She talks about her writing process and this is her first fiction novel. So this is a debut novel for this author. She was a journalist and she wanted to explore the fictional world. But then it wasn't just the narrator interviewing the author. The author was also interviewing the narrator. So we learn a little bit about the narrator and how she approaches her job and how she lives as an audiobook voiceover and then how she interpreted the book and what her favorite parts were. It was a really, really interesting conversation. So if you listen to the audiobook when the actual story is done, I highly recommend to listen to the 30-minute conversation because it really gave some great insights. But overall, I highly, highly recommend this book. It was beautiful. Right. And then let's move into the one historical Christian romance book that I read. And that was A Noble Masquerade by Christy Ann Hunter. This was a Regency Christian romance. It's set during that time period. And I did listen to the audiobook, which was narrated by Anne Marie Gideon. She did a great job. I think she's British. So it was told in a British accent, which really helped to sell the story because it's set in England. And I gave this four stars on Goodreads. This is the first book in a series. I believe there are four books in the series. And I think it's the Hawthorne sibling series or something. It follows four siblings. So in this story, we are following Miranda and she is every bit of a lady, but she longs to be bold and carefree. She is now entering her fourth season and she's still single and approaching spinsterhood in the eyes of society. So she's starting to get really frustrated, especially with her younger sister. She's coming up on her first season and everyone's fawning all over her and she gets a little bit jealous. So she pours her innermost feelings into some letters that she writes to her brother's old friend, who is a duke. And she has no intentions of ever sending these letters with her private thoughts on them. It's a man that she's never met. She's just heard a lot of stories about this guy. So she's using him as just the third party to vent to. Meanwhile, she is also starting to find herself really intrigued with her brother's new valet, Marcus. She knows that she can't fall in love with a servant because that would be too bold. That would be a very rebellious act. So she's struggling with her feelings for this man. Well, then Marcus accidentally discovers one of her letters and he mails it to the Duke. So Miranda finds out and she's beyond mortified. And then she's shocked when the Duke actually writes back to her. So then this initiates a courtship by mail, if you will. So she's talking with the Duke and then she's interacting with Marcus. So it's a bit of a love triangle and she's trying to figure out her feelings because she has feelings for both of these men. 
And then we find out that Marcus is in the middle of some conflict that's starting to go on and his behavior becomes more suspicious and erratic. So she follows him to see what he's up to and there's some sinister things going on and there are some state secrets that are at risk. So she finds herself in the middle of this conflict but she knows that she has to figure out her feelings through all of this. So this book was really enjoyable. I really liked it. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be, but it was a pleasant surprise. And there was a lot of drama that went on. It wasn't just focused on the romance. There was a lot of other things happening. And I really, really liked that. I loved learning about this family I really like seeing the siblings interact. And Miranda was just an easy character to love because she was witty. She was snarky. Her humor was so fun. And the writing is just very well written and it was very clever. I love this time period of the Regency time period. And I just felt like I was transported back in time. And I loved being back in the London season and seeing all the balls and the dresses and all the parties. So that was a lot of fun. This is a dual POV. So it's told from the point of view of Miranda and the Duke. So I really, really enjoyed this. I might have enjoyed this more if I read it instead of listening to it. I really enjoyed the narrator. It was nothing on the narrator's side. I think there was just a lot going on to be able to decipher what was happening. And listening to it, I was starting to get a little confused at times. And I'd have to rewind and go back to really listen to what was happening. And because there was so much going on, I started tuning out to the narration So I really would like to buy a physical copy and reread this book and see if maybe I feel a little bit stronger towards it because a lot of the Christian fiction booktubers that I follow absolutely love this book and they've all given it five stars. So I was actually a little disappointed that I didn't love it as much as I thought that I would because I read two Regency romances last year. Now, they weren't Christian romance Regency books, but I read two last year, absolutely loved them. I gave them five stars. They were on my best of 2023 list. So I was really hoping to fall in love with this one, but I didn't quite feel that way. However, I still had a really, really good time. I highly recommend it. The faith in this was pretty light. They talk about God, and I think there's some praying. It's not very heavy at all. So I like more of the light faith elements in Christian books, and this was just enough for me. There was enough talk that it was there, but it wasn't too much. So I really did enjoy that, and I absolutely will pick up book two, but most likely I will get either a physical copy or get the ebook from my library instead of listening to it, or I may do a tandem reading and listening, but I highly recommend it. All right, now I'm going to talk about the two fantasy books that I read in January. The first one, funny enough, had the month in the title, and that was The 10,000 Doors of January by Alex E. Harrow. I listened to the audiobook, and it was narrated by, funny enough, January Lavoie. So there's lots of January going on in January. (laughs) So I would actually consider this a historical fantasy. And I gave this two stars on Goodreads, unfortunately. So if you had listened to a previous episode, I was trying to read this book with my best friend. We were trying to do a buddy read together. And she had chosen this book 
because she found it on the library app I think she was using. It sounded good to her and she asked me if I wanted to read it and I read the summary and it sounded good. But then I tried to read the physical book and I just could not get into it. I think I read about the first three or four chapters. I think I was maybe about 20%, 20 to 25% into it. I just was not liking the story. I just could not get into it. But since I was trying to buddy read with her, I didn't want to give up on it completely. So I tried the audiobook and thought maybe choosing a different format would help. And it did in a way because I actually did get through the whole thing, but I had to speed it up almost to two times the speed just to still get through it. So the story is about this girl named January. This starts out in the summer of 1901 when she is just seven years old and she finds a door in the middle of a field. So she goes through it and she's on the seaside cliff and she doesn't know where she is. She doesn't know what it is, but she just stays there for a few minutes and then she goes back through the door to her world. Well, then years later, January forgot about this brief glimpse of this other place that she had been to. And her life is quiet, but yet it's lonely. She lives with this guy who owns this really big estate. He's a very wealthy man. And her father works for this man. And her father travels all over the world collecting rare artifacts and different objects that this man wants for his collection basically kind of like a museum. So she stays with the wealthy man. Then one day she stumbles across this strange book. Inside this book, she is learning about other people who have come across doors in their lives and have gone through doors to other worlds. So then it just takes her through this journey, through the stories. But then in real life, she sees another door and she goes through it and she starts to ask a lot of questions and it just takes her to places that she never knew that she would go. So I'm trying to hint around what happens so I don't spoil anything. But unfortunately, I just still was really bored out of my mind with this. It is so slow paced. It barely kept my attention. And like I said, I had to increase the speed of the audio because I just did not really care for it. There's not much plot or action at all. I didn't like the story within a story concept. That was really hard for me to wrap my mind around and to follow. It got confusing at times. I had a hard time visualizing what was actually going on. I couldn't connect to any of the characters. And it wasn't what I was expecting at all. It sounded better on paper. The summary sounded better than what the book actually was. I will say that the writing is beautiful. I think she's a very well-written author. It was lush. It was lyrical prose. But it was too much. I like flowery prose, but this was way, way too much, where it made the story distracting and made it hard to follow along. It just felt very pretentious and heavy-handed and just way overdone. I just felt like it really missed the mark of what this could have been, and I just can't unfortunately recommend this book. However, I am curious to read more from this author. This author just had a brand new book come out last year. It's called Starling House, and everybody was talking about it. It's about a haunted house. It's perfect for spooky season. So a ton of people were talking about that. 
Plus, my friend had already read another book of hers. She went ahead and read The Once and Future Witches, and she said she devoured it and she loved it. And then she said she wanted to read A Spindle Splintered, which is a very short, I think it might be a novella, because on my library app, that book is only around three hours or so, and it is a duology. So I told her, well, if you really liked another one of her books, and I've heard so many people talking about Starling House, which I'm on a very long wait for that one, so I don't know when I'll be able to get to that one. But I said, if it's not over-the-top, flowery, too descriptive prose, then I will read it and check it out. But if it's like how January was, then I'm probably not going to like it. So I am going to check out another one of this author's books. I might check out two more. I have a spindle splintered on my list to read in February, but I'll see how this one goes if I do want to continue and try to read Starling House because I am really interested in that one. I heard it's a really intriguing take on a haunted house. So I thought that that would be perfect for around spooky season. So maybe September, October, but we shall see. Unfortunately, I just could not get behind a 10,000 doors of January. I guess I missed what all the hype is about with that one. It was just not for me. All right, and then the romanticy book that I actually really, really enjoyed was The Hundred Loves of Juliet by Evelyn Skye. I did listen to the audiobook, and it was narrated by Aspen Vincent and Joe Arden. And then Evelyn Skye herself, she had an audio clip of an author's note at the very end. So that was nice to actually hear from the author herself. I would give this a 4.5, but I had to round down to four stars on Goodreads because there were a few things that I had to knock it down for just a little bit. But this story follows Helene, and she just had a really bad breakup. So she runs away to Alaska to find some peace and quiet, and she's been dreaming of becoming an author. So she has bits and pieces of a novel. She just writes different scenes down and some short stories here and there, and she's hoping to now have time to finally write the entire book. She had a job of being a journalist, so now she wants to get into fiction writing. And on her first night there, Helene meets Sebastian Montague. He's this gruff fisherman, and he looks exactly like the hero in the book that she's working on. So all of these short stories has the same male lead, and he looks exactly like that. So she's thinking, how is this even possible? What's going on? Well, then Sebastian seems to recognize Helene, but then he lies about it and he tries to brush her off, even though there is some pretty hot chemistry between the two of them. It's quite immediate and undeniable. And it turns out that Helene is Juliet reincarnated and Sebastian is Romeo that is lost in time. So it's up to Helene to convince Sebastian to give her a chance. And this time they can rewrite the ending of their story and finally live happily ever after. So what always happens is that Sebastian is Romeo and he can't die. And so he's been living for hundreds of years, but Juliet always dies. So it's the same soul that's put into a different person. So he always stumbles across a different Juliet, but it's the same soul and a different person. 
And she dies every single time that they start to fall in love and try to get together. And so in the first part of the story is basically he's trying to convince her that one, he's not crazy and that she really is the reincarnation of Juliet from Romeo and Juliet. And then the second half of the book is they do start to fall in love and it's more of trying to figure out how to beat this curse so that she doesn't die and they can actually live and be together for once and for all. So I really, really enjoyed this book. It was dual POV between Helene and Sebastian. So that's why you have the two narrators. And I really, really enjoyed the narrators. I thought they did a great job. So I highly recommend listening to this audiobook. And at times, it reminded me of The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab. If you've ever read that book, I kind of felt a little bit of those vibes. And then I've never read the book, but I've seen the movie The Time Traveler's Wife. And it kind of felt like that, too. So it kind of felt like a mix of those two stories. I just thought it was a really, really interesting concept. I picked it up because it is set in Alaska, so it did feel very wintry. The whole story doesn't take place in Alaska. They do end up traveling overseas, but a lot of the story does take place up in that northern cold territory. So you really feel those winter vibes, and that's what I wanted. And it is pretty romantic. I would say it's swoon-worthy if you're looking for that type of a story. I really liked both of the characters Sebastian is really rough with her at first, but you can see why he's very protective of his feelings because he just wants to protect her and look out for her because he has such a bad history with all of these Juliets dying on him. So he's stuck in the past. And so the pattern just continues and perpetuates this tragedy by his own misery and remorse that he has. And he wants to feel unafraid and he wants to stop blaming himself for all the past deaths of Juliet. And then you have Helene coming in here and she is starting over from a cheating husband. She's very witty. She's funny. She's strong-willed and independent. And she comes in very optimistic and she's like, let's live in the present, not in the past. And let's not be fearful of the future because no destiny is ever certain. No one can foretell the future. Anything could happen to anyone at any moment. So there were a lot of little life lessons like that. And it made me cry in some parts and other parts. I was really swooning with them. I was really rooting for the couple the whole time. It was very easy to like them and I wanted them to be together. I think I want to buy a physical copy of this book and go back and reread it and annotate it because there's a lot of great quotes in this story. And it's a great look at loss and grief and death as the underlying themes. It also gives you the chance to figure out what would you do if you were in this circumstance. So it kind of got deep on some levels. It wasn't just some shallow rom-com. It really wasn't. It was more of a romantic drama. I really, really enjoyed it. There is a little bit of cursing and some vulgar language, but there is no spice scenes. There is a bedroom scenes, but there's no details. I would say it's PG. So it is a clean romance book. I just wish there wasn't the cursing and the vulgarity that was in it, but it wasn't terrible. And then at the very end, the author had, like I said, a clip where she came in and she talked about her inspiration for the story came from her own life. So she got married and 10 months after she married her husband, 
they found out that he had a terminal disease. And then six months later, his lungs failed and he was forced to be put on a machine and he almost died. But then he got this double lung transplant. And so it felt like he was reincarnated. And that's when she realized that tomorrow is not promised. So she had this big question in her head. How do you love someone when you know their time is short? So that was the whole inspiration for this book. And she talks about how life is never guaranteed, but it's much harder when fate attaches itself to you because of this disease that her husband has. And you don't know when grief will be right around that corner and you don't know what to expect. And so she talks about how she and her husband chose to stay together and not run from this disease. They chose love. They treasure every day, every month, every year together. And he is still alive to my knowledge. She talks about when he finally does die, she knows that it's not going to be the end because she knows she will find him again some way, somehow. And I could really relate to that because my husband and I, we have always said that we feel like we are soulmates and that we do find each other in every life. And we're so grateful that we found each other really early on in this life. He was only 21 and I was 25. So we tell each other that we will find each other in every life that we live and it's never going to be the end for us. So I could highly, highly relate to that because I talked that way with my husband. So like I said, there was a lot of great moments to learn from and I highly, highly recommend it. I loved it. All right. And then for my last category, I have four mystery thrillers. Now, I know this episode is starting to get really long, so I want to try to go through these pretty quickly, but I also don't want to give too much away because I really feel like with mystery and thriller books, I think it's really good to go in blind or a little bit blind at least so you don't know too much so you can be surprised. I was really, really feeling mystery and thriller in January. I read a couple in December. One was a cozy mystery. One was just a straight up mystery. It was a murder mystery. I think I read one in November and it wasn't really since September and October that I had read some good mystery thrillers. So I was really feeling the vibe of mystery and thriller and was just dying to read a bunch of these. So I did. So I'm going to talk about four in this episode and then I have two more that I will talk about in the next episode. So the first one on my list was actually a short story, and that was Ankle Snatcher by Grady Hendrix. This was part of the Creature feature. It was a collection of horror and mystery thriller short stories on Amazon Prime. So I was able to get this for free through the app. Like I said, it was a short story. I read this in about 20 minutes. I just wanted to read something else by Grady Hendrix. I have read one of his books. I have another one that I haven't read yet, but I've kind of been on the fence about Grady Hendrix. So I wanted to see if I would like this short story. This one was okay. I gave it three stars on Goodreads. Basically, the story is about Marcus, who grew up believing that his father killed his mother, and then his dad blamed it on the boogeyman under the bed. His dad always told him, you need to put the light on before you get out of bed at night or the boogeyman's going to get you. This was the big warning. So then Marcus grows up and he still heeds the superstition, especially when he invites this new woman that he's starting to date over things happen and you're trying to figure out is there really a creature or the boogeyman under the bed or is there just 
something psychological that is going on in this family? Are, are there delusions? Are they suffering from schizophrenia? Is it something mental? So I thought this was an intriguing concept, but ultimately it fell short for me. It definitely needed to be expanded upon to feel like a fully realized story. I needed and I wanted a lot more. It felt rushed and sloppy to me. I enjoyed the first half of the story and I was very curious where it was going to go, but then it took a turn that I didn't really care for. I didn't like the new direction in the second half of the book and I really didn't like how it ended. It was also one of those ambiguous, open-ended type of stories, and I usually don't like those types of books, so that was a turnoff to me. But in true Grady Hendrix fashion, there is enough horror elements to make it feel like a creepy horror short story. There wasn't anything over-the-top grotesque, but there were some descriptions that were a bit gross and graphic to read. So if you're a little squeamish, then you may want to skip this. I don't know if I would recommend this short story, but if you're a fan of the authors, then you may want to check it out. Like I said, it was super quick to read. I read it in less than 30 minutes, and I will say it will definitely make you think twice about stepping out of bed at night without the lights on after you finish reading this. Okay, and then the next book that I read was First Lie Wins by Ashley Elston. And this was just a brand new release in January. It's only been out for a few weeks. And I was actually able to get the audiobook through my library. And this was narrated by Saskia Marlenveld. And she did a great job. I really enjoyed listening to her. And I gave this four stars on Goodreads. I really enjoyed this audiobook. So again, this was one of those books that I didn't really know a lot about it, but I had seen a lot of YouTubers, specifically mystery thriller YouTubers that I follow that get a lot of arcs, and they had already been hyping this book up, and they had read it before it came out, and this kind of seemed like one of the big books of the month. There's actually quite a few big books of the month that came out in January, and I actually read three of them, and this was one of them. I don't feel like it lived up as much to the other ones that I read, but it still was really, really good. So this story follows Evie Porter, and she is given this name and a location by this mysterious boss, Mr. Smith, that she works for. So then she tries to learn everything about the town and the people that are there. Then she has Mark. And so the Mark in this story is Ryan. She starts to have feelings for the Mark. So this is a bit different than her past jobs. So she's trying to figure out what's going on with the mark that she's been assigned to. But then she's also trying to figure out the real identity of Mr. Smith. And she knows that this job is going to be different because of these feelings that she's starting to have for her mark. And she knows she can't make any mistakes because she made some mistakes in the past and some things came up. So you learn about that. And she's working really hard to stay clean with her record and play nice and do what she's told. But she just keeps running into obstacle after obstacle. So she just has to stay ahead of her past while she's trying to figure out what's going on in the present and think about her future. 
So I don't want to give too much away because like I said, I think these types of books are great going in blind. But this was my first book by this author. She had written young adult or YA novels previously. So this was her first adult debut book. I thought she did a terrific job. I never would have known that this was her first adult book. I really, really enjoyed it. And I was pleasantly surprised at how much I really like this. And this book is about a con woman. It's a really fun cat and mouse mystery that you're trying to figure out. I would say this does lean more towards mystery than thriller, but there is enough action sequences to really keep you engaged. This was my first con artist type book. I really, really enjoyed it. It really felt like with the mysteriousness behind her boss and she never knew who it was, it almost felt like a Charlie's Angel where you're trying to figure out who is the voice behind the phone calls. But this story is a lot more sinister than Charlie's Angels, but I just kind of got those vibes from it. But the story was very intriguing. It keeps you guessing the whole time. I think it would be very bingeable. It would definitely keep you turning the pages. Or for me, I just wanted to keep listening to it. There is some language in it, but it wasn't so bad that I had a hard time with it. And I can't remember if there are any spicy scenes. I don't remember any spicy scenes. So that was great. And I felt like it wasn't super twisty, but it had enough twists and turns that I didn't know who to trust. I didn't know what to believe at times. And it really weaves in clues here and there throughout the whole story. It had really nice pacing to the story and the reveals were spread out. It didn't feel like one big dump of reveals at the same time. They were spread out real nice throughout the story. And I thought Evie was a really likable character. I was rooting for her the whole time. And she had a really rough past and we get to know her through past timelines. So we find out her origin and where she came from and how she got into this business. And then we see her on some past assignments leading up to the future. So it does jump back and forth between past and present timeline. It didn't feel jarring to go between the different timelines, so I really enjoyed just learning about her through that. But what kept me from giving this five stars is that I just wasn't quite pulled in the way I would like to be with these types of stories. It didn't resonate with me like some of the other mystery thrillers that I read in January. It didn't blow my mind with anything super exceptional, but I still really, really enjoyed this book and highly recommend it. I recommend the audiobook, but I think you could also read this digitally or physically and it would still be very bingeable and engaging. Okay, then my next mystery thriller, you could also include this with horror, is The Winter People by Jennifer McMahon. I listened to the audiobook and this was narrated by Cassandra Campbell. I also gave this four stars on Goodreads. So I had been hearing so much about Jennifer McMahon and that she writes more of the horror-esque mystery thrillers. I was really curious because so many people have hyped up this author and I just wanted to read one of her books and this became available. Plus, I wanted to read something that was in the wintry setting and this was perfect. So I think this is also one of her more popular books. I'm really glad that I read this. I thought she did a wonderful job. I thought the narrator did a really great job and the writing was superb. It was very descriptive and immersive and engaging. I had a really, really good time with this one. So this story is set in West Hall, Vermont. 
there's always been these strange disappearances in this town. So then all these legends and myths have started coming out about what's really going on in this town. One of the most mysterious incidences that have happened is that Sarah Harrison Shea, who back in 1908 was found dead in the field behind her farmhouse. And it was just a few months after the tragic death of her daughter. So then we fast forward to present time, and it doesn't say when present time is, but I'm guessing it's now. So now we meet 19-year-old Ruthie, and she lives in the same farmhouse that Sarah lived in with her mom and her younger sister. Well, Ruthie wakes up one morning, and her mom has vanished. So she and her sister are trying to search for clues to figure out where her mom is. And in trying to figure all that out, she comes upon a copy of Sarah's diary that was hidden beneath the floorboards of her mother's bedroom. So she starts reading this diary and getting sucked into this historical mystery of what happened to Sarah. And she's realizing that she's in the same house and and some of weird things are starting to happen to her. We start to see some connections and she's wondering if history is going to repeat itself. So I went in pretty blind to this book. I knew it was a horror, but I wasn't sure what else was going to happen with it. There are some supernatural elements. So that was a nice surprise. And I really, really enjoyed that. There is basically a ghost story, and I love ghost stories. This is perfect for winter. The setting is cold and snowy. I think it's set in January, so it's a perfect time to read at the beginning of the year during the winter season. It was very atmospheric, and you know you're in a town, but since a lot of the story takes place in this farmhouse, it also feels like this isolated area, and I really like the isolation feeling during winter in a mystery thriller book. I wouldn't call this a true horror. It was spooky and eerie and had some very creepy parts, but it wasn't so scary that I couldn't read this at night or listen to this at night. It didn't give me any weird nightmares or anything like that, but it was a little strange. It was really weird, but in a really good way. I've read weirder books than this one, but it was a little bizarre. And even though I really enjoyed this, I did get a little confused and maybe it was because I was listening to this story. Maybe this would be one that is better read than listened to because the timelines started to get a bit muddled here and there and I was starting to lose track of what was happening. I was getting confused if we were in the past or if we we're in the present and there's multiple POVs and there's lots of characters to keep track of. And so I just had a really hard time with the back and forth just listening to it, I think. But I also preferred the 1908 story over the present day story. The present day story didn't really keep me as engaged as the old story. And I kind of almost wish it was just a linear story where we started in 1908 and maybe the first part of the book was the old time and then the second part of the book was present day instead of the back and forth of chapters because it was one of those books where I'm so engaged with what's happening and then we switch timelines and then I have to shift gears and then I really get into that story and then we shift gears again and it was just constant back and forth. 
So I think that was also challenging. But overall, I thought it was a really interesting story. I thought it was very creative. I'm really excited to read more by this author. I highly recommend this book. Absolutely. Okay, and then the final book that I have on this list is probably my favorite if I'm just looking at this list and not every book that I read in January. And that was The Only One Left by Riley Sager. And I did listen to the audiobook, and this was narrated by Don Harvey and Christine Lakin. And I loved this book. I gave it five stars. This was my first Riley Sager book. I have been dying to read from this author. I know he is super, super beloved in the mystery thriller book community. He's really, really popular. And this is his latest book that just came out in 2023. He has a new one coming out this year, I think this spring or summer, and people are already starting to talk about that one. But this actually had a very, very long wait on my library app. But I was able to do one of those skip ahead. And so as soon as that was available to me and I could skip the line, I absolutely was like, yes, please. So I was able to get my hands on this a lot sooner than I thought that I would. And I'm so happy because I have just been dying to read one of his books. And I've heard so many good things about this book. Now, I have heard a lot of mixed reviews, but I feel like I've heard more good than bad. And I will have to side with the good on this one. So this story is set in Maine, and it revolves around this really wealthy family who lives on this mansion called Hope's End up on the cliff on the seaside up in Maine. So we have this big gothic-like mansion that is on top of this cliff, and that itself is like its own character, and I really, really enjoyed that. And back in 1929, there was a massacre that happened, and Lenora's whole family was killed, but she was not. So the cops find her alive among all of these dead bodies, and it looks like it's a Lizzie Borden type case, but they can't find enough evidence to prove that she was the murderer. So she was never convicted, but she ends up isolating herself and staying in Hope's End basically her whole life. She never steps out of that house again after that incident. So then we fast forward to 1983. So that's the present time for this story is in the early 80s. And we're following Kit and she's a home health aide. So she takes this new job to go to Hope's End and take care of Lenora because Lenora now is a very elderly lady and she has suffered from a series of strokes and other health ailments and now she's confined to her wheelchair and the whole one side of her body is paralyzed. So she only has use of one of her hands and so she can only communicate by using a typewriter and typing to Kit. And so once Kit comes in and starts taking care of her, Lenora feels this kindred connection with Kit and says, I want to tell you everything. So she finally, after all these years, wants to come clean and tell her story of what really happened that night. So that's all I want to say about that. I don't want to go into any more detail because, oh boy, this book takes you on a ride. And not just a ride, a wild, crazy, bizarre, twisty ride of a time. Oh my gosh, it was so good. I loved it. 
And like I said, this is another book that I tried to go into blind, but I had just heard so much about it that I had an idea of what was going to happen, but I had no idea what was going to happen. And I do recommend going in as blind as possible. Hopefully I didn't spoil anything, but I love the story. I thought the pacing was great. It is so addicting and bingeable. It kept me guessing the whole entire time. And when I thought I knew what was going to happen, there was a twist and then another twist. I was thinking about this book when I wasn't reading it or listening to it. And I listened to it in just a couple of days because I was dying to know what really happened. I was so intrigued by this story. And Riley Sager does a great job with just dropping breadcrumbs here and there and leaving clues for you to try to figure things out. And it felt really atmospheric. And it really felt like you were there in this mansion on top of this big cliff. It had this gothic feel to it. And it was a little eerie and creepy. There were so many twists and turns. It was almost too much. And that is one of the critiques that a lot of people have criticized this book for is that It was just too much. It was over the top. There were way too many twists and turns. And there were. It was one after another, after another, after another. And I think you can have too many big reveals or twists in a book. It felt like whiplash a lot of the time. And it really hits the last quarter of the book. It's like boom, 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 boom. Just one right after the other. But I loved it. I thought it was so much fun trying to figure out what the heck was going on. What is the story? What happened back then? And what's really going on now? And I just had such a great time with this book. And the mansion felt like a character itself. And I enjoyed all of the characters that were in it. I thought they were really interesting. I really liked the dynamic between Kit and Lenora. I highly, highly recommend this book. And I would say read this if you like lots of family secrets. There's forbidden love. Obviously, there's murder. If you like gothic type settings, if you like spooky mansions and a creepy atmosphere, there's lots of tension and just so many shocking twists and big reveals. If you like all of that, then I highly, highly recommend picking this book up. And I am absolutely excited to read more from this author. I have heard that this is a really good one to start with if you are new to Riley Sager. So I have two more of his books. I have Lock Every Door and Home Before Dark. I think those are his two other books that I do have. So I'm really interested to read those. I'm interested to read his new one that's coming out. I really just want to read all of his stuff now because I really enjoyed this one. I thought that this could make a really good movie. I would love if this was turned into a movie. I think it would be really great to see it on my big screen TV and... I don't know. I can't say enough about this. I think you just need to pick it up and experience it because it was an experience. And I really enjoyed the narration by these two narrators. I was so engaged and highly recommend the audiobook. It just sucked me in from the very beginning and I had such a great time. Okay, well, there's the first group of books that I read in January. I do apologize that this became a long episode. I'm trying to keep these as short as possible, but when you're talking about 11 books and even giving each of these books a few minutes, it just adds up and becomes a long episode. So if you are still here listening to all of this, I really, really appreciate you 
I'm going to talk about all the NetGalley arcs that I read because, as I mentioned earlier, I did prioritize quite a few of them and I really wanted to get back into reading my arcs and they're waiting on my reviews. So I had to get those read and get the reviews up so I could start getting some more arcs in. So come back there. Plus, I will go ahead and spoiler that one of those arcs was my favorite book of the month. And I'll go ahead and let you know that that was The Heiress by Rachel Hawkins. Now, it was really, really hard to try to narrow down my favorite book of the month because it really was a three-way tie between that one, the Riley Sager book, The Only One Left, and then I also read The Fury by Alex Michaelides. And that's his most recent one that is out. Everybody's talking about that one. Everyone's talking about the Rachel Hawkins book. And all three of those were five star for me. I absolutely loved every single one, but I would say Rachel Hawkins' book stood out a little bit more than the other two because I am still thinking about that book a month later and I just love so much about it. So come back to hear all my thoughts about that book and all the others that I really enjoyed reading. And I'm also happy that in January, I was able to get two books off of my 2024 list. And that was The Noble Masquerade and then The Only One Left. So I had created an episode, if you haven't listened to it yet, where there were 24 books that are high priority for me to read. Basically, they're must-reads in 2024. So if I want to read all 24, then it's two books a month. So I was able to hit two books in January. I think continuing forward, reading two books on this list every month should be pretty easy to do. And they are my top priorities of the year. So I really, really want to get to those. So I was happy to get two of them off of my list. And if you want to hear what those 24 books are, if you haven't listened to it yet, you can go to that episode. It's already on the podcast and you can get the full list there. All right. So that's all I have for this episode. Again, I appreciate you for sticking around and listening. So until next time, my sweet friends, happy reading. Well, that's all I have for this episode. If you missed anything, you can find the companion blog on my website at bookmarksandblankets.com. That's bookmarks, the letter N, blankets.com. If you enjoyed today's discussion, please consider subscribing to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes. Also, if you feel called to do so, please share this podcast with others who you think may be interested in this type of show. Or if you have a few minutes, I'd love for you to write a quick review. This helps me reach more people, and I would greatly appreciate it. If you would like to support the show even more, you can join my Patreon community at patreon.com slash bookmarks and blankets. Until next time, my friends, please remember to take care of yourself and always stay cozy.